open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise to Thee, O Christ, King of eternal glory. Christ, for our sakes, hath endured temptation and suffering. O come, let us worship Him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. And make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. Form the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to Christ, for our sakes, hath endured temptation and suffering. O come, let us worship him.
The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress I called upon the Lord. He heard my voice out of his temple. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. For thou wilt save the afflicted people, but will bring down high looks. Thou hast girded me with strength, and maketh my way perfect. Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The sorrows of hell compassed me about, the snares of death prevented me. In my distress I called upon the Lord. He heard my voice out of his temple. The Old Testament lesson for Septuagesima Sunday is written in the 17th chapter of Exodus, beginning at the first verse. All the congregation of the children of Israel traveled from the wilderness of sin, starting according to the Lord's commandment, and encamped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? The people were thirsty for water there. So the people murmured against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt? To kill us, our children, and our livestock with thirst? Moses cried to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Walk on before the people, and take the elders of Israel with you, and take the rod in your hand in which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb. You shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, and the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because the children of Israel quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the ninth and tenth chapters of the first epistle to the Corinthians, beginning at the twenty-fourth verse. Brothers, Don't you know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run like that, that you may win. Every man who strives in the games exercises self-control in all things. Now they do it to receive a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I, therefore, run like that, not aimlessly. I fight like that not beating the air, but I beat my body and bring it into submission, lest by any means, after I have preached to others, I myself should be rejected. Now I would not have you ignorant, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of a spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. However, with most of them, 
God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Out of the depths I have cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Matthew, the twentieth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man who was the master of a household, who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. He went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went their way. Again he went out about the sixth hour and ninth hour and did likewise. About the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle. He said to them, Why do you stand here all day idle? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and you will receive whatever is right. When evening had come, the lord of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning from the last to the first. When those who were hired at about the eleventh hour came, they each received a denarius. When the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise each received a denarius. When they received it, they murmured against the master of the household, saying, These last have spent one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Didn't you agree with me for a denarius? Take that which is yours and go your way. It is my desire to give this last just as much as to you. Isn't it lawful for me to do what I want to with what I own? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first, and the first last. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. The Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee, and they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. So as we said, today begins pre-Lent, the three Sundays before Ash Wednesday, where we prepare for Lent. 
to prepare for a period of intense almsgiving or offering, prayer and fasting, a time to review the catechism on the commandments and the confession so that we can focus on repentance, a time to prepare our hearts for the feast of Easter, to learn through repentance the joy that is the gospel. And the Sundays of pre-Lent, they remind us how the gospel works. They prepare us for Lent by reminding us how the gospel works. And so sometimes they're called the Sundays of the Solas. Last week we saw the Transfiguration where the disciples saw Christ alone. That was kind of Christ alone Sunday. Well, these Sundays play off of that. Today will be Grace Alone Sunday, then Scripture Alone Sunday, then Faith Alone Sunday, then comes Ash Wednesday. And so today is, again, Grace Alone Sunday. And so to prepare for the time of repentance of Lent, we first hear St. Paul tell us in the reading this morning, run that you may obtain the prize. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable. And as we live our lives, we see that it's a race to the resurrection. And likewise, Lent is a race to Easter. So pre-Lent's focus is on preparing for this race, a race which is often difficult. Sometimes it's brutal. A race which requires self-control in all things, the self-control of pride in the practice of self-denial, Self-denial through almsgiving. The self-denial of what the... A self-denial that includes the spirit praying to God. A self-denial of the body and fasting. Those are the exercises, the preparations that Paul is talking about. The self-control needed to run this penitential race. And in our gospel, we notice that the attitude of the laborers in this race... Our Lord begins saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a master. Really, it should be a man of the house who went out early in the morning, about 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. when the sun rose. He went out to hire laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Most of us here have been employed. We know what it's like to agree to a wage for a job done, to earn a paycheck. And that's what it looks like here, a simple employer-employee agreement. You put in this effort, this work, this time, you get paid for it. So the laborers, they go into the vineyard to work the entire day to run the race in the long, hard, burdensome day, we could say. The work is not meant for the slothful or the lazy or the gluttonous. Those type of people will never make it through this type of day, this type of work. Instead, these laborers have prepared for the grueling work ahead. Their bodies have been trained for it. Their minds are focused. Their souls prepared. They don't run aimlessly. They don't beat the air. They've disciplined themselves for this very day, for this very race, if you will. They go in ready to work the entire day, focused on being rewarded with a denarius when the sun sets. So bring on the heat. Bring on the laborious work. They are committed. They are ready. You could say they're pious in the highest level. But the man of the house, he's not finished hiring yet. Our Lord continues. He says, and going out about the third hour, that's about 9 a.m., the man of the house saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, notice that word, whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Now that word for right, 
in the Greek or the Latin. It's actually whatever is just. It's just or righteous. Whatever is just, I will give you. Keep that in mind. But as the man of the house, he goes and he makes more hires, it still sounds like that employer-employee relationship. Now, it doesn't agree that the employer agrees to pay them a denarius for the day. He just agrees to pay them what is right and just. Again, most of us have been employees. Our experience says you get paid for the hours or work that you put in. So experience says they'd earn not quite a full denarius, but close. Take about two, three hours off the denarius, and most would assume that's what they'd earn. And so he goes out again in mid-morning. I'm sorry, let me backtrack a bit. Now these mid-morning laborers, these 9 a.m. laborers, you could say that they're not quite as ready as the others that were hired earlier. They're still ready here at the beginning of the workday. They're clearly still a self-controlled, disciplined group. Maybe they're not quite as disciplined as the first group, but still they're disciplined more than most. They're pious more than most. They're clearly ready at the beginning of the workday. And yet again, the man of the house isn't quite finished. He wants to hire more. So he goes out at the sixth hour, about noon, at the ninth hour, about three o'clock, to do the same thing. He tells them the same thing. And the assumption of us, or of many at least, is about the same. The later the group is hired, the less self-controlled and disciplined that you think they are, and the less they will get paid because they put in less work. That's what the assumption is. But yet again, the man of the house goes out one last time. He says, and about the 11th hour, that's about 5 o'clock, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. Pretty much told them the same thing as the others. Now ask yourself, what type of men would be standing there idle in the marketplace that no one would hire until 5 p.m., until the end of the workday. Now, most people would assume that it says something about these men. These are those who run aimlessly most of the day. They waste most of their time on fun and games, drinking and drugs, cruising, partying, whatever is pleasurable. These are those that Paul is talking about, those who spend most of their time boxing the air, Maybe they're all talk, they're all complaining, but yet they do nothing with their lives. They are, these are probably the slothful, the lazy, the gluttonous that couldn't pull themselves into the marketplace until 5 p.m. And maybe in church you consider these those that are impious, impious. They don't seem to take the faith seriously. They think they can escape hell by having fun, indulging in lust now, but come into church only when maybe the terminal diagnosis hits. The ones who call themselves Christian, maybe, yet never fast, never pray, never give into the offering plate, but they think they can slide in before the sun sets. Because this is the undisciplined group that is out of control. And so the assumption is their pay will be next to nothing. They'll get what, an hour's worth of work in? The pay, we assume, or most would assume, would be next to nothing. Because that's all they've earned, is next to nothing. Then after hiring, the end of the day comes, and the man of the house moves to close out the day. And in verse 8, it says, And when the evening came, the owner, it really should say the Lord, 
there is Lord, the Lord of the vineyard, said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. There are about two ways you can relate to this. You could see yourself as the full-day laborer, those baptized from birth who always came to church, who are born and bred Lutheran, who's been with the church and the synod in all her ups and downs, great times, challenging times. And if you're one of those, you hear this story, and you're being told that you'll receive the same prize as maybe the 85-year-old man who is baptized today and dies tomorrow, who never went through those ups and downs. And how does your flesh feel when it hears that? It feels like that's incredibly unfair. When you've been in the heat of the day, when you face the burden of the church, because the church isn't perfect, we feel the sin within it. It doesn't seem fair. So our flesh says, why run the entire race when another man can just jump in at the end and receive the same thing? But you can also relate to it the other way. Maybe you think you can revel in the world now and then slip into the pearly gates right at the end. That you can just enjoy now. Live it up. Enjoy the gluttony, the lust of the moment. Then, at the end, snatch the reward away at the last second. This question's about the same for the person that thinks like this. Why run the entire race when you can just jump in at the end? But see how our Lord reacts to those attitudes. He says, take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Notice the Lord of the vineyard, the Lord of the church. He doesn't say he chooses to to do with what belongs to them. He doesn't say he chooses to do with what they have earned. He says, I choose to do with what belongs to me. And that flips the entire parable on its head. And it also makes clearer our Lord's words from before. Remember when he said, "You you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is just and righteous, I will give you. He doesn't say, I will give you what you've earned. He says, I will give you what is just and righteous. I will give you what belongs to me, which I choose to do with. The problem with the full day laborers, why he rebukes them, is that they forgot who they were and who the Lord of the vineyard is. Because all of us start out in that marketplace where we are captive to sin, imprisoned by guilt, deserving of eternal punishment, where we are made to be repentant of our sin. That's who those in the marketplace are. They're repentant sinners. 
every single one of them, regardless of when they're called, are, in, are sinners in need of salvation, are sinners in need of being freed. Notice those last hires. The hires at 5 p.m. No one would hire us. There was no other hope. They were repentant sinners crying out. Look in your bulletins at the introit. These are their cries, the cries of the people in the marketplace. The cords of hell entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord from his temple. Maybe you could say from his vineyard, he heard my voice. Their prayer in the marketplace, their prayer is one of desperation. Look at the gradual. This is their prayer. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, you hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Those in the marketplace, those were us. Those people were us. We prayed those exact same prayers this morning. Look at the collect. O Lord, we beseech you. We beg you favorably, mercifully, hear the prayers of your people that we who are justly punished or justly afflicted or stricken for our offenses. There's that word again. Just or righteous is the exact same word. Notice in this prayer, we don't pray for what we justly deserve. We pray against the only thing we earned. We actually pray against what we earned which is punishment, to be divinely stricken for our sins. Now look at the rest of the prayer. That we who are justly punished for our offenses may be mercifully delivered, or really liberated, set free, may be mercifully liberated by your goodness for the glory of your name. This is what we need to know heading into Lent. This is what we need to know before we get into the race for Easter. Almsgiving and tithing, prayer, fasting, they're all good disciplines for self-control to keep running the race, to keep working in the vineyard through the heat and burden of the day. They're all good things to keep our eyes on the prize whenever sufferings come up. But in terms of salvation, they earn nothing. They don't free us from the marketplace. They don't liberate us from sin. If we set up those works against the works of Christ, those works are nothing. They earn nothing but punishment. So instead, we pray these prayers from the marketplace in repentance. And Christ, who mercifully hears our prayers from the vineyard, He comes to us sinners and He says, go into the vineyard, go into the church. Whatever I, whatever I have that is just and righteous, I will give to you. It all depends on Christ, on His works, on His merit, on His grace. We earn nothing. All that is good and just belongs to Him. He earned it. He lived the perfect life of obedience to the Father where we failed. He suffered for us. He took our sins and following the will of the Father, went to the cross with, the, with those sins, with our guilt, to face our punishment. On the cross... He, in perfect obedience, became sin for us, died for our sins, put our sin away forever in His death. He Himself is the one that rose three days later in glory so that we could be justified and righteous. 
He says, I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? That is what our Lord does when he comes to us in the marketplace. Whatever time of the day, whatever time of life we are called. By his grace alone, he meets us there and he baptizes us in his name. Into his death and resurrection so that we are forgiven. Where in the waters he washes washes us of our sins and makes us pure in his purity. Where we become sons of God with all his glory. Where in the waters we enter the vineyard. We enter his church. Whatever time, whatever time of life, whatever time of the day he comes to call you into the vineyard, it doesn't matter. However, we dare not think that we can have our fun now and enter when we want to in maybe in the last second. This is not a cheap grace. This is not a cheap invitation. This is not our invitation. It's his invitation. It's not our timing, but his timing. And if we think we can game the system, then either our death or his return will come when we least expect it. And we'll have risked missing the vineyard or the race entirely. We're not called to game the system. We're called to be repentant in the marketplace and not to delay. So then, when our Lord calls us in the marketplace, it's by His timing, by His invitation. And the reward, not the wage we earn, but the prize which is His, which He promises, it's the same to all He chooses to call. What He gives is forgiveness, salvation, deliverance and liberation from sin. What He promises is at the end of the day, you will receive the denarius of life eternal in Him. So St. Paul, when he tells us to train and discipline our bodies with almsgiving, prayer, fasting, he's telling us that we cannot, that we do not enter the vineyard or enter the race by ourselves. What Paul is saying is that by Christ's death, that's what puts us in the vineyard. We're in the race by His grace. So Paul is telling us that are already in the vineyard how we can prepare to work the entire day, the entire race, through the heat, through the burden, through the sufferings of life. Those disciplines, they're good and pious. They help keep us in the garden. They help us focus throughout the sufferings on the prize ahead. What St. Paul is doing, uh, doing is he's warning us to train ourselves so that we can stay in the race. He says, I discipline my body and keep it under control so that at the end of the day, notice that at the end of the day when the denarius is given, at the end of the day, I can receive the denarius that is promised to me. You are in the vineyard. You are in the race. You are liberated by His grace. The longer you stay in this vineyard, the longer you run the race, the more difficult it will be, the more suffering you'll endure. So St. Paul says, don't leave the vineyard. Don't drop out of the race. Train yourselves 
to remain here in His grace, in His church. Train yourself to endure everything so that when the sun sets in the race of your life or when the Lord of the vineyard returns to His church, you receive the prize. And it's true. No matter how long you've been in the church, you get the same prize. We all eat the same spiritual food. We all receive the same spiritual drink. Here we all, no matter how long we've been in the church, we all get a taste of the same promised prize. The denarius of the resurrection from the dead. The justification and righteousness which belongs to Him that He gives to us for life eternal. Don't be bitter that others receive the same reward. Don't gloat over the sufferings of those who have been in the vineyard longer. Love each other. Forgive each other. Work together. Focus on the prize. Train yourselves, train your bodies to remain in the vineyard, to remain in the race, focused on the prize until it is fully given to us at the end of the day. We prepare for this race knowing all of this is in His grace. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard, saith the Lord. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard, saith the Lord. O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, we beseech you, 
favorably hear the prayers of your people, that we, who are justly punished for our offenses, may be mercifully delivered by your goodness for the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishment, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, 
Help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen. Amen.